Welcome into the Educated Ignorance Podcast. Another great episode we bang out here. We just finished up talking about the great Chargers-Chiefs game. Big win for the Chiefs. Hope Justin Herbert isn't hurt. Um, we then have a fantastic segment with Mac Fulton. Third week of the Sinister Six. Some very tasty stuff on the docket for that. We'll have all of that next here on the Educated Ignorance Podcast. This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday. Tuesday will be a quick-hitting reaction of the Monday night football game, as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football, as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season, where we reveal the top eight teams, according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac. Fulton, he will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best big, our best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Got done watching the Chiefs Chargers Thursday night game. Very entertaining, very sad at points. We're gonna get to all those. So I want to start with the Chargers continuing to forever be the Chargers. And this team will one day be the best team in the league and dominate. But their problem is they continue to make these self-inflicted mistakes. And it that continues to kill them. For example, for tonight, um, there's just a litany of them. So the, the now let's this game honestly can be. It's weird how over a three hour period and sixty minutes of football that a game can literally be broken down into three plays, four plays, uh, as to why the game was won or lost. There's two of them, honestly. Asante Samuel Jr. on their Chiefs drive where they ended up tying the game at 17. It was second down and goal. They tried to run a quick fade to the corner for one of their tight ends. Mahomes kind of underthrew it, and Samuel jumped it, and he should have had the pick, and he would have had a 106-yard interception for a touchdown. Doesn't make the play. On the other end, the Chargers inexcusably go tempo 
after going right down the field, and they throw a pick. Jalen Watson picks it off, goes 99 yards the distance. We'll get into the minute details of that later. But those two plays defined this game. One team made, a, made plays, the other team didn't. The Chargers had too many drops, too many bad bad time penalties, even though we are going to get into them. Some of them were really, really bad, really, really, really bad calls. Uh, and the Chiefs don't make those types of mistakes. And that is the difference between the Chiefs and the Chargers and why the Chiefs won this game and why the Chiefs are, you know, we why we have more faith in them as a team that is a Super Bowl contender than than the Chargers. And I think the Chargers, look, I'm not moving the Chargers down from three unless the Vikings beat Philadelphia by like 25 on Monday night. So, listen, man, the Chargers are great. The Chiefs are great also. But it comes down in these games to those little mis little things, and the Chargers were unable to capitalize. Let's talk about some of those mistakes. Now, I, you can't really call them a couple of these mistakes because they were just bad breaks, but that's how the Chargers have unfortunately had their hand dealt over the years. So Pat Mahomes tonight was good in spots. Great in others, like there were a couple throws he made. The two the two touchdowns he threw were just ridiculous. So the first one he had, he's rolling out, and I think it was Tranquil who tried to sack him, and he throws him off, and then he pumps two, three times, and just sidearms it like a short, like they always say, like a shortstop, but literally just a casual second baseman sidearming at the first between three dudes with McKinnon who catches it at the one and runs in. The other one, he that was picture perfect. Step, like, the blitz, lets him run by him, steps up in the pocket, throws off platform, right to Justin Watson. J.C. Jackson misses it by centimeters, right on the money. Mutants, man. These, we're going to talk about the two quarterbacks in a moment. And then we'll probably kind of just chip them in throughout this, but, like, Mahomes made two ridiculous throws. Now, here's the problem. Mahomes had three picks that should have been picks. Two of them that got caught. So he threw. He should have thrown three picks in the third quarter alone. Samuel dropped one. He picked another, but they called it incomplete. Granted, he shouldn't have got that way because it hit off his face mask originally. And then they called one back on a DPI. That was, I thought, a bad call. The one in the first quarter was worse because Valdez Scantling just grabbed him and threw the the corner down. Valdez Scantling, guys, is not good. We're going to talk about him also later. But uh, so Mahomes easily could have had four picks tonight. And DJ was telling me a stat how Mahomes, like, has – no one has thrown more interceptable balls in their career than Mahomes, which is a wild stat, by the way. But it is it is true. It is a true statistic. Um, looking forward – here for the Chargers, or for the or uh, here or in this game, the mistakes, like I said, man, had the missed inter opportunities. Van Noy even had a chance. They, were, I think it was a second down, and they were showing blitz, and they dropped out, and Mahomes tried to force it into two or three guys, and Van Noy just got one hand up, and if he would have got two, he could have picked six. Like Chargers just did not make plays when needed, and it cost them in certain situations. 
uh, a couple other things. So I want to talk about the pick six that pretty much decided the game. So the Chargers, after having that pick overturn, or no, that wasn't that drive, but regardless, they Chiefs get all the way down to the one, and the Chargers' defense holds, force them to kick. And the Chargers come right back. Joe Lombardi's play calling is great. Herbert's dealing. Didn't they, this is a couple times in this game they did this, and I just don't understand it. They went tempo, and guys are gassed. There, not much time is coming off the clock, and you're giving the either, like a couple times they did on some three and outs. You're just giving the ball right back to the defense. I just didn't understand it, especially on this position. So Gerald Everett's had a Gerald Everett and I had a game, and makes another catch, gets him down inside the five. If Everett is gassed, he wants to come out. But they're going tempo. Everett just is kind of lazily running an out route. But again, he's tired. Herbert throws it behind him. Everett can't come back to make a play. Watson steps in, picks it off, touchdown. Like, the dumb mistakes that this Chargers team makes. There's no reason to go tempo there. There's none. Perfect drive down the field. Why? There's no reason. You're not going to run the ball anyway. You don't have, like if they come in and bring them heavy package and defensively, you're ecstatic that they're going to do that because that means you can get matchups on the outside. It made no sense for them to do that and it cost them. It absolutely cost them this game. They were the listen. This is going to be hindsight 2020. Oh, I'm a Chiefs hater, but this is a fact. They were the better team. They were the better team. But they just couldn't make plays. And that's why the Chiefs, one team, Super Bowl champion, defending AFC champs or AFC West champs for the last whatever, hosted four straight AFC title games. That's the difference between a team like the Chiefs and a team like the Chargers. Sometimes you don't have to be the better team. You just got to make enough plays. And the Chiefs did. And that's where I tipped the cap. I'll take a quick break. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. I really hope that Justin Herbert's not hurt, man. Too bad. Hopefully it's just bruised ribs, maybe misses a game or something. That's going to be a big thing. I don't really want to talk about that. I will, like, so I'll, I don't, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. I, him getting hurt on those last couple drives, I don't think is game deciding, uh, because they did end up getting right down and scoring. Like the fact that on third and one on that drive, that their last drive, he, this is so crazy. Third and one, he could have just walked for a first down and slid, but instead just basically like winced and threw it out of bounds, because you could just tell how much his his midsection was hurting. And then on fourth and one, he ab he threw an absolute seed dart. You couldn't have walked it to him better to to uh, Carter for the first down and goal. Oh, that was ridiculous! And then hit Jordan uh, Palmer or Josh Palmer for the touchdown on fourth and goal. 
just stupid. Mahomes made, like we said earlier, Mahomes made some crazy three plays too. Um, their offense, both offenses tonight struggled, and this is where these two teams throughout the year, as good as they are, are going to run into issues. Against teams like the Bills, in their own division against a team like the Broncos. Uh, other, you're just trying to think, not many other teams are going to be able to, to give them many issues like this, but the, a team like the Rams could uh, because of their defense and the way they play. Team, teams like the Packers could. Baltimore, teams with good defensive lines, like even the Dolphins. I don't know if the Dolphins play either one of these teams this year. I don't think they do. But regardless, like, to Dolphins, same thing. Teams with a good enough D-line. Now, the Chiefs' offensive line tonight was oddly worse than normal. I believe they had a couple guys out. Um, I don't think their right normal right guard plays because it played because they bumped Trey Smith down, to my, to my recollection. But obviously, Bosa and Mack were killers all game. Drew Tranquil played really, really well. And the Chargers have an elite secondary. Samuel, Jackson, Derwin James, all of those guys can ball. Bryce Callahan, all of those guys can ball, and all those guys can make plays. So they're the and for the Chiefs, I don't. Uh, their defense worries me. And this is where the Chargers' offense is going to regret not having the speed. It's been one of my, the biggest things I've been talking about with my worry for the Chargers. First, let's talk about the Chiefs' offense. So, offensive line-wise, let me retract. So, I was mentioning <laughs> why they would struggle against those teams, and mainly the Chiefs. Now, the Chargers' offensive line blocked well, now, at the end of the game, they started to fall apart. want to give a shout-out to the right guard for, uh, rookie from Boston College, Zion Johnson. He's good, folks. He's really, really good. And the Chargers, too, a thing that killed them. Corey Lindsley, all-pro-level center, goes down. Uh, Pitt, uh, Pitty, I believe, their uh, right tackle went down as well. So they got two backup linemen in there in the end of the game, and the Chiefs' D-line started to hunt. Now... I mentioned all those teams that the, the, these offenses could struggle against. What do they all have in common? Good defensive fronts that can get pressure and really good secondaries. Because here's the thing. Neither one of these teams have game breakers. Like, they have really good play. Like, Travis Kelsey, obviously. Mike Williams for the Chargers. Keenan Allen when he plays. But they don't have, like, game-breaking speed at receiver to blow the top off of a defense. It's hard for them... Like, it's, it's going to be really hard for them to generate, like, huge chunk plays tonight or all year because the Chargers just don't have. So tonight their game plan without Keenan Allen, it seemed, was we're just going to be really conservative, we're going to hit a bunch of layups, and we're going to have elongated drives, and they did that. But they just didn't have many playmakers. The Chiefs, you saw tonight compared against the Cardinals, where Cardinals were just not – you see the difference between the Chiefs playing the Chargers and the Cardinals, man. Cardinals, again, throwing shade at Cliff and his boys, but, man, they might be bad, really bad. But the Chiefs, Juju, MVS, guys like that, like, they, they're strong and they do have – they are fast, but they're not going to – you're not afraid of them making these big plays. Now, Hardman can be. Hardman can make those plays. He had a couple good ones tonight. 
So I'm interested. Like they're going to have to find ways to use him as kind of the, their gimmick receiver to to get these wild plays downfield in order for them to have chunk plays because that's the biggest factor when they had Tyreek. And I've come along lately talking about how they're not going to miss Tyreek as much because they did, look, they did build depth at wide receiver. They have depth at tight end. They use so many different guys now. Last year, it was so evident because how thin they were. They didn't have a good X receiver. They didn't have any depth at tight end. Their running back play was horrific. Now they got three good running backs. They have three tight ends they trust. They have about five or six different wide receivers they can throw out there. The problem is it's just not huge, big chunks like it was last year. They could hit home runs because last year you have a guy like Tyreek Hill. He can go win two, three games a year by himself by just running down the field naked wide open. And Mahomes is good enough, obviously. He's obviously great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that good enough is a big, big shade. Big shade. I don't mean it like that. I, he, Mahomes is awesome. I'm just saying when you break it down, Guys are running open downfield. You're not going to have that with this Chiefs team. Same for the Chargers. Now, the Chargers, the I like some of their guys. I think Carter was solid tonight. Palmer is a guy that I'm up and down on. And Mike Williams, Mike Williams is easily the best jump ball receiver in the league. The problem is he's just so damn inconsistent. And Gerald Everett, Herbert loves throwing the tight ends. We saw that last year with Jared Cook. Gerald Everett, one of my favorite tight ends in the league. Over the years, back with remember him back in the Rams for a long time. He was really, really good. So I love that pickup, and Everett was really good tonight. Eckler wasn't really great tonight, but they've got three running backs as well with him, Kelly, and Spiller, or uh, him, Kelly, and uh, Sony Michelle, excuse me. So like all of the these, both of these teams are similar in the fact that they do have depth at receiver. Um, Chiefs have more guys at tight end. Uh, uh, have more guys at tight end, but both teams have multiple running backs and great quarterbacks and good to great O-line play. Good O-line for the Chargers, obviously, when healthy. Great O-line for the Chiefs when healthy. But they are going to struggle without against those teams that have elite secondaries and elite D-lines of getting pressure, making their defense, being able to, to, to wreak havoc with four, which that's what the Chargers did all night. They didn't blitz too many times, and... The Chiefs as well, it seemed like spe like once Mike Williams caught that crazy one-handed ball down the sideline, uh, the Spagnola said, all right, screw this. We're going to abandon how we play defense. We're not going to just bring a bunch of dudes. He pretty much started sitting back seven and eight the rest of the game and, f and really just allowed the Chargers to play the d d offense that they were planning uh, other than the shots they took to Mike Williams throughout the game. Um... But yeah, going. Uh, I, I believe going forward that both of these teams obviously still great. For the Chargers, the main thing right now is just please God, Justin Herbert be okay, man. Like, please. I, I Herbert's become in a short amount of time maybe my favorite player in the league, and I was heartbroken there for a bit. And he came out and he was just rolling still, like. But you could tell he was hurt. Hopefully the extended time off, you got to miss a game or two, he does. Hopefully the ribs aren't broken. Um, that's the main thing for them. Then getting healthy at O-line. That's the next thing, too. You miss two guys tonight. And look, man, the biggest thing for them throughout the year in these big games, which I'm going to – I'm checking schedules right now. So we're going to start with the Chargers and then end with the Chiefs. For the Chargers, you go – you get the Jags. Then the Texans, then the Browns. So three games that lighten up a bit. Now the Browns are really good, but again with Jacoby, 
it's not as it's not as if you were playing Deshaun. Then uh, you do get the Broncos, but at home. But then after that, charge uh, you host the Seahawks and you go to Atlanta. So a good stretch of games here for them. Get healthy um, and and right before that home stretch of the year where you go Chiefs, Cards, Raiders, Titans, Colts, Rams, Broncos to end the year. That's a tough stretch. Let me lay it out for, for L.A. This team will take the step. Like, they're right there, man. They are right there. Their defense has improved. They, I love tonight that Brandon Staley has figured out to pick and choose his spots of being aggressive. Um, I really think they figured it out, but they just have to stop making mistakes, get out of their own way, and make plays when needed. That is what will get this team over the hump. For the Chiefs. This team's not out of the woods yet because now they're 2-0. and I, real, I, I didn't have a pick tonight. Um, I just, I mean, great backdoor cover by the Chargers, but I, I was just excited to see how this would match up. Chiefs stretch here still, the, this beginning of the season stretch is not easy, but they, I am way more sold on them than I was about a month ago, uh, just over the last few weeks with how everything has come together. Um, they got the Colts next week on the road. That won't, that'll be tough. Uh, but then at then at Tampa, host the Raiders, host the Bills at San Francisco. That is their next just over a month stretch before they get. Uh, that's through October, and then it does. So the the schedule for them it, it, where it gets easy is it lightens up at the end of the year. They go. Uh, they their last four games are at Texans, Seahawks at home. They get the Broncos at home, who they've owned. Now it'll be tougher, but they've owned. And then again, another team they've owned, they go to Vegas. So those four games, you feel like it it really kind of lightens up for them. But this team, again, it's it's going to be interesting to see throughout the year. I, they, they didn't answer questions for me tonight because I said this if, if probably some people thought I was throwing shade on the Chiefs on the Elite Eight pod. On Monday or on Tuesday, when I said I want to see what it looks like when teams try to put them in a box, and look, if you have a good enough front four to to not have to blitz a lot, they don't have guys that just beat dudes one on one. Juju isn't like that. MVS certainly isn't like that. MVS is just out there trying to bag DPI calls. Fucking ridiculous. They didn't really use a lot of Sky Moore tonight. The Justin Watson guy is okay. I don't think he's too special. Um, but they have depth and enough guys. Again, four different wide receivers that they like, three different tight ends, three different running backs. Like they have dudes, they can just kind of do enough. And the issue is just going to be for them: will they be able to have enough moments when they get in these tight situations against teams that can really lock them down? How are they going to have answers tonight? They they found a way. And again, I I really don't think I think the Chargers are the better team tonight. But the the Chiefs found a way. They made some plays. Hats off to their defense. I think defensively for them they're going to struggle with teams that are able like they show tonight is still an issue with them. They are horrendous against teams that have guys that can go that can just j- play jump balls or like are elite one-on-one. They got torched last year against that, 
and they got torched tonight until they just kind of backed off. Um, I think that their secondary, clearly the weakest part of their defense. Justin Reed, though, ha- is a guy that's made plays. DJ, Shout out to DJ Jarvis. He says best kicker in the league. That's a funny thing. Um, there's a lot to take advantage of there from them, but I was impressed with how to an, how they were able they were they did a really good job of tackling in the open field tonight and that's something they struggled with at times last year especially early when they were a mess um but over the year we'll see how that improves and it's early man but uh both of these teams i think are still great just gotta hope herbo's all right and uh all enjoy this fun game that we saw tonight i think it was a blast sinister six next with mac fulton With baseball playoffs right around the corner, over a month away, and the NFL and college football seasons right on our tail, it's the perfect time of year to get your daily fantasy sports life in order. For Frequency's sake has you covered every single week. Tune in to For Frequency's sake's DFS Deep Dive on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch every Friday evening and uploaded every Saturday morning on your favorite podcast platform where Brian and the boys will be giving you the best daily fantasy sports advice for each and every week to help you fatten your wallet this season. Again, on every Friday night live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch, and of course, uploaded on your favorite podcast platform on Saturday mornings, DFS advice, DFS deep dive here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. For fantasy's sake, has teamed up with Route 96 Boutique to raise a little more cash for Toys for Tots this season. From September 11th until the end of November, 10% off of all purchases made with Route 96 on Sundays will be donated to us for our Toys for Tots drive. At Route 96, they believe in girl power. They want a place that people of all shapes and sizes can shop and feel empowered and beautiful. They want you to be the best you possible, and they are committed to bringing you different styles while also providing some basics to express the true you. You can find them on Facebook and at Route96Boutique.com. Again, that's Route96Boutique.com. All right, enough bullshit. Let's get it. Let's get real, son. The Sinister Six is back. We are. It is week three. Of this, we are way closer today than we were seven days ago, and I'm fine with that. That means I'm a fan of success. We both were balling last week, Mac. We need to owe a massive debt of gratitude for those who moved the pit line literally last minute. So it covered us, and so it literally covered us to get put to a push. Shout out to them. And then outside of that, we, uh, absolutely raked now i am okay with the fact that our nfl day went moderately tits up uh we thought we had we had the jags game in the bag until we didn't i lost the raiders game mainly because they couldn't get a two-point conversion with about five minutes left which is all right it happens i'm okay with those losses because we absolutely stole one with that byu game last week um, we had no business covering, and we did. Shout out to Baylor, A, not trusting their quarterback, B, both teams sucking at having kickers. 
and then we were rolling. So, my friend, how are you? Are you 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 were excited? You are now five six and one, drawing back a game behind me four one and one last week after an abysmal week one. You are hot, brother. I told you, man. Week two was going to be my turnaround because the fact that the NFL comes into play, those lines just make it so much easier for me to make these picks. Yeah, and it showed. I mean, I think I was two and one in the NFL. Yeah, and then, which should have been three and zero if the you know the Jaguars could have taken care of business. Yep, your loss and was then, that, and my loss. And then, you know, my loss was the Raiders gotta, game. Got to keep riding in college. We just got to keep going. And I know for a fact that there's a team out there again this week that if we go for it, it might be a very long night, a long day for us. Just watching. Why? Oh, really? Oh, because of oh, last week. Figured. Huh? Yeah, just because of what the, how the game went down last weekend against Baylor, that game could be interesting to watch for us. They're going to ruin our day again. <laughs> they could actually make our day better. They again. could because this is this <laughs> this might be the most sketchiest one of the weekend. Honestly, if there's one that I'm on the fence about, it's that. No cap. Um, but hey, we're gonna ride them. Uh, we got to start first with what missed the cut because this is a this should be a secondary <laughs> six. Like we have the sinister six, this should be the secondary six because these are gems. A few of these I'm going to toss onto the betting show on Monday or on Sunday or on the betting portion of the fantasy show on Sunday. Uh, four college, two NFL. The NFL one that missed the cut, it it we it would have been on here if the line would have got under ten. Is Rams at home against Atlanta? Um, I'll talk about why that is a type of line to take in an NFL game that we get uh, talk about. The other one is Pittsburgh catching a point and a half against the Patriots. It is officially fade New England. It's officially fade Bill Belichick season, aka fade Mac Jones season, aka the Patriots might go four and thirteen. They're terrible, and they're getting points on the road. Uh, that is a recipe for disaster um it just honestly missed the cut for our nfl one mainly because we wanted to have the game of the week on there the game of the week though is tomorrow is tomorrow as we're recording this as you're listening to this i will have already gave a synopsis on why the chiefs or the chargers won uh the thursday night game so mac either of those two lines those are juice do you agree with me on fading the Patriots? I, I, from what we saw on Sunday from them, one, we don't know how healthy Mac Jones is actually going to be going into this week. And two, like they just did not look like a typical Patriots team. And that's what happens when you have defensive coaches calling their offense. Mm-hmm. Very much. All right. And then there are four college games. <laughs> They're horrendous. We're going to start with the... <laughs> okay, so two normal ones and then two goofy ones. All right. So first, Penn State and Auburn. Penn State is three-point favorites. Auburn, is Auburn bad? They might not be good. So I absolutely Penn State, even though I don't think they're that good either. Um, um I agree with that. I think Penn State's they're going to be an average team this year. They're going to make 8-4, but this is a big game for them to win. They need this one. Yeah. Uh, and then... I think we would probably be opposite on this. I would go for it just to see if it hit. Washington minus the points at home against Michigan State. Um, I would probably bet Washington minus the points just to see if it happened. 
it would be like I think fucking... we're, yeah we're definitely on the we're on the opposite sides here because i would take the points and say why not because i think that michigan state team they're not great on the defensive like secondary portion of their team but everything else is pretty solid well that's the thing michael Penix can play and what if washington just lights him up through the air i mean that's a very well big possibility but i'm saying like I think Michigan State probably controls outside of the quarterback position and secondary. They run every portion of the field uh-huh. outside of that. If Washington, that game is juicy on Saturday, low key. Because if Washington wins, it's like, oh, maybe a frisky, for real. maybe a frisky Pac-12 team that we didn't expect. Um, considering there's kind of only one of those that are like, like, well, I consider there's like, technically still two alive, but like. One that's really good, the other is meh, and there's another Pac-12 team that I actually enjoy, and that's Oregon State. They're fun, and they're good, but they're not, like, playoff-worthy. Uh, yeah. And then these two are horrific. <laughs> they put the horrid <laughs> horrific, and let's be honest, they almost made it. <laughs> let's be real. These are the first two on the cutting and room floor. And that's what the bad thing about it is. These lines make you, like, have to think about it. Like, these games are terrible, but, like, you have to take time and think, is this worth being on this show? Mm-hmm. Because they, if any other week, they very well could have been. Okay. Kansas catching nine in Houston. The only thing that makes me pause on this is that they are going to Houston. Yeah, I can agree with that. I you, think if it was in Lawrence, it'd be different. You could tease this, like, seven points. Like, if you tease these last two games, I think you actually could do it. Because that would put the other one at 30 and a half, and there is no way. There is no way. The other game we have here is Nevada plus 23 and a half against Iowa. Um, even if Nevada gets shut out, can Iowa score 24 points? Hey, man, I made jokes to you earlier today. I think there should be a prop in Vegas right now that tells you that how many games Iowa can score 10 points. I don't think it's like over under like three because I don't see it happening. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> That's great. All right. Let's actually get to the real stuff. Shout out, as Scott Van Pelt says, throw him up, Mac. Shout out to the TOT, the Triangle of Toughness, the 210, the my boys from UTSA, UTSA, University of Texas Antonio, the Roadrunners. This is the second time that the TOT has made the show. Uh, they are catching 12 and the hook on the road in Austin against the Longhorns coming off of the Alabama game, which was a classic. Who would have known it? what would have happened if Dallas Turner didn't turn into a professional wrestler and break Quinn Ewers' shoulder or whatever the hell it was? Uh, questions for Texas on who's going to play quarterback. We know Ewers is out for at least probably four weeks. Hudson Card was got rolled up on on a bad scramble in the th- uh, third quarter. Who knows if Hudson Card even plays? This is, and I love Texas, Mac, but this is absolute letdown territory. Uh, 12 and a half for you, Tessa, I think is too much. So I'm going with them. Mac, how? What say you? How do you feel about this? Um, I, this game is definitely has everything in the making to be a true letdown game for Texas. I mean, they showed us what they really were against Alabama, and I think we can agree saying if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, they probably would have won that game. Um, 
But going into this week, Texas's recipe has to be they're going to have to focus on Bijan Robinson and just essentially give him 30 to 35 carries in this game and try to limit the amount of workload the quarterback has if it is Hudson Card or going to be their third string guy. Uh, but I do think I agree with you here. It's 12 and a half is just way too many points. Um, UCSA is a really good football team. They're under the radar because they lost early this year. And I think it's going to be really close. So we both got you, uh, you Tessa, plus 12 and a half. Uh, gotta love it. Frank Harris is a G. Uh, this team's really good, and I think they're going to hang around. And this is nothing to take away from Texas. Now, I will say this. This definitely, you know, the way they're uptick, the way they're trending, this absolutely Sark is going to have them ready. And I think this could be a really big Bijan Robinson game. But the, you know, UTSA has absolutely hung around against two solid teams. They beat Army last week in OT. They probably should have beat Houston in OT. And, um, yeah, man, they're definitely a team that's going to make Texas work and sweat. And I think that's how they hang around. I'm not saying they win, but I definitely think they, they, they cover the number. Moving on, a little further out west and north, the Pacific Northwest to be exact. Oregon at home, for some reason, is ranked 25th in the country, whatever. Minus three and a half against your favorite Mormons and mine, the BYU Cougars. We're riding them. I quote Mac Fulton when I say we are riding them to the playoff. I even asked... Do we just back off them and not ruin their playoff hopes? And you said no. And here we are. We are we are rolling with the Cougars again. Yeah, I mean, we saw a game last week with BYU that essentially both teams didn't want to win. Um, they do need to clean that up. But we're also going to see an Oregon team who is not to the same level that the typical Oregon teams in the past we've seen. I think BYU is the better team in this game. It is going to be tough going into Austin Stadium, but I do think you're giving BYU points. That's a no-brainer here. The one thing that worries me, BYU, though they, they handled it well last week, missing their top two receivers, so I think that's why it maybe looked a little bit clunky. But look, man, the playoff, if they can get through this game, then they have a couple things that can line up for them before they have some really tough ones. They got Notre Dame is still good, even though they lost they, they lost to Marshall. Um, though they are gonna have a backup quarterback. That game's in Vegas. They play at Arkansas, I believe. Or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or they play I, Arkansas. That's all I know. I yeah, I don't know if that is in Arkansas or if Arkansas has to come to Provo. But those are that those are a few tough games and Arkansas actually might be really, really good. Uh so BYU, the road is there for them. You know, we've talked about. Yeah, it's absolutely. They have a path. Like, it's all absolutely. You do is look at their schedule, and there's a path for them. Like, it's there's 100. percent You can't argue that if they take care of business, you you can't leave them out. No, you can't. All right, moving on. Final college game: Miami and Texas A&M. Miami catching five and a half. <clears throat> so we're both on BYU, by the way. Yeah. So Miami catching five and a half on the road against the Aggies in College Station. My, I don't know if the way I thought about this game has changed. 
on who I think could win or should win. But man, oh man, what a mess for Jimbo and his boys. <clears throat> Mac, you're an SEC guy now. Talk to me. What on earth is happening? Well, I mean, I think the biggest issue for Texas A&M right now lies in one position. It's their quarterback play. And Haynes King has been very pedestrian this year. And their their style think, of offense, though, too, is really bad. It doesn't, it doesn't help him any, but, like, we've seen backup quarterbacks for A&M, even if, like, their starters backups succeed in big games and they go and play, you know, an App State team, which is not a bad team, and they just lay an egg, and he does nothing to help them. Yeah, no, so, there's no reason that after they gave – I know App State probably was challenged all week in practice after giving up 61 or 63 but Jesus Christ, you can't get anything going against them? When so the UNC, when North Carolina without two, I know we both think Drake May is a savage, but North Carolina without two NFL receivers in that game uh, went absolute ham and bologna sandwich on them, and Texas A&M had 186 yards of offense. They had seven offensive points because their other, kick, their other score was the kickoff return from A-Chain. Man, so, Jimbo needs to Jimbo needs a come to Jesus moment, man. Because listen, here's what I said the other day on the pod, Mac. Everything looks good when your offense is ran by an NFL quarterback and a bunch of pros. You can win a title that way. Guess what, man? You won a title on a team where every single starter you had on it got drafted or was on an or is or was on an NFL roster. That ain't like. A&M's got dudes, and the boosters, cough, cough, quote-unquote, and a lot of people have invested a lot of money into getting these dudes over or to Texas A&M. The right way or the wrong way, whatever it is. That ain't acceptable, man. Like, I don't care who you have on your roster or who you have at quarterback. I'm not – this isn't – obviously, App State's a, a good team, but, man, what happened on last week – like, someone's got to give Jimbo the come-to-Jesus meeting. Like, dude, you need to figure it the fuck out. Because that can't happen. That just can't happen. Look, all I'm going to say is, if this game starts off and it's a sluggish start on that offensive side of the ball, don't be shocked if Max Johnson's that quarterback going in the second half. They're going to have to try something. Because, hey, like, right now, Haynes King is not the guy. And he has done nothing to prove that he should be the starter there no you're you're not wrong you're not wrong and you know I think Haynes King has potential and he's solid and I don't think Max Johnson is great but so but that's not an excuse for them they do need to play better but I do you agree with me at least that like listen it's on the coaching too man like they got to figure something out like you got to design easy plays there are easy plays to be made at every level they got it. They're, they're, you have to be able to design them up. Easy throws. That's the thing I said about Iowa, too. Like, yeah, Peter sucks, but, man, that's horrific offensive coaching. It is twenty. Yeah. It is 2022. If you can't scheme up anything easy for your offense, then you, sir, are just bad at your job. Yeah, you shouldn't be calling offense if you can't do it. And based off this, going back to the game itself, I think there's going to be a clear advantage at the quarterback position with Tyler Van Dyke, and I think he's going to help Miami win this game. 
I think five and a half, given Miami five and a half. Yes, it's on the road. But this is not your this is not your normal Miami team from the last few years. This team is really good. And yeah. they're very well coached this year. I don't so, have sorry, go five ahead. and a half is just a no brainer. Sorry, my bad. But uh I don't have the balls to say they'll win because I just don't know if they will. But it's all right. Let's say the cap on Texas A and M is twenty one points. Can Miami score seventeen at least? And that will have me easily within the number. They should. So give me give me Miami. That's what I'm that's where I'm at when it comes to this game. Miami and the points. I don't know if I have the balls to pick them to win, because I don't. Because I need to see it, right? It's one of those the theme, this is the first one, but the theme of this week, Sinister Six Mac, is I have to see it to believe it. And this is the and first. You're see this is the first thing. You're gonna start seeing more. You're gonna start seeing more in the NFL. This so, is yeah. this is the this is the first example of I need to see Taylor. Listen, AM's defense is awesome. They got dudes. They got NFL guys on it. So I need to see That's Taylor. The question. I need to say Taylor. I need to see Taylor Van Dyke against a good defense make throws. I need to see this offense team on the road. They're catching points, and they're the quote-unquote underdog, but a lot of people now are going to be expecting them to win this game based on how A&M has looked in the first two weeks. People are going to think Miami can win this game, and if they if they just don't play well and get beat up, like if they get beat by 10, 12, whatever, it's going to be very underwhelming. You know what I mean? So I yeah, want to see them with expectations to have a good win. I want to see it. So that's where I'm at with Miami. So I do not have the balls to pick them. But I definitely think A&M will not score enough to where my like for me to worry that Miami with a guy who could be like an NFL roster quarterback ain't going to be able to score enough to keep him within the number. So give me Miami plus five and a half. All right, moving on NFL. Uh, we visit the Motor City early slate. Lions at home against the Commanders last week. The Lions fought valiantly to turn what was a blowout into a close game. Nice little backdoor action against the Eagles. Um, 38-35 loss. Jared Goff did not play well. Their offense was able to pick up some steam late, and their defense got shredded by by Philadelphia's offense. And Washington last week, back in the Sinister Six after burning us a week ago, they are they are catching points, Mac. Be, they are one and a half point dogs on the road against the Lions. Over under is forty eight and a half. Okay, here's the theme number two. Of I have to see it to believe it. I do not believe the Lions should be favored as a at at home or anywhere against a team that is actually competent until we are proven otherwise. I believe this team can be good. Yes, like seven wins good this year. But I need to see them have those moments before I'm willing to lay points with them. So I think that's why I am on Commanders plus one and a half. I'm pretty confident we're going to be on the opposite sides of the coin on this one. But that's where I'm at with this game. Mac, I will let you have the floor since these are your boys. No, I, I totally understand why you're saying this, and the Lions really haven't, in the past years, haven't done anything to prove why they should be favored. But I'm going to say this: this Lions team is different. They are a million times different from the last couple of years, and they're going in the right direction. 
Uh, DeAndre, we're seeing one thing that we haven't seen in years past with this Lions team. They can run the football very well. Uh, DeAndre Swift was the number one running back in all of the NFL last week with yards and touches. So I will okay. see a lot can I, that again. Can, I have, can we have a moment? Yards-wise and stats-wise, probably. But we both can agree he was not the best running back in the league last week. Okay, I I know people have different opinions on this, but if you look at Pro Football Focus, he was rated number one running back in the NFL in week one. Pro Football Focus is terrible. Don't listen to them, people. No, I'm just saying. I just said, I don't if people have different opinions about them, but some of their work is really good. So, just take that with a grain of salt. Um... But yes, I will say this Lions team is a lot better on the ground, and I don't think we're going to see a Washington Commanders team that can string things together. They're not a team that can. Either. Carson Wentz at your quarterback position, I still don't trust him. I will never trust him because everything that happened in Indianapolis. So I'm, with it. I'm going Lions with the my, well, minus one and a half. I think it's going to be like three to seven point game. But I think the Lions pull it out. So, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I can't trust him yet. Again, that's the theme of the day. And I'm not saying DeAndre Swift is bad. I'm just saying if you – and I'm not saying you do, but I'm, but I know people listen to this that do, that live by PFF, and you're wrong. Form your own opinions. It's okay yeah, to do that. Okay. Watch the tape. I'm just. I just wanted to give love to Saquon Barkley. You're you're a savage. Hey, Saquon, no, Saquon's Saquon, great. Saquon's gonna carry me to a fantasy championship this me, year. Me and I don't even care that, about fantasy me, football that much. Me saying that about Swift does takes nothing away <laughs> from what Saquon showed us on Sunday because that was incredible. So happy for that guy. We haven't seen him in over a year, and this is what the guy does. And we forget how good he was. And I think that's why everybody has that opinion. Like you have that opinion. Like he was so good. Because we didn't see him for a year. So the thing about the Lions, you are right, running the ball. Because not even and Swift is one of the eight best, ten best running backs at worst in the league. Like, uh, I will say this: like just running the ball in general, they have a really good attack. Again, my like Chase Young not playing is a big thing. So I feel like they're going to be able to have some comfort offensively. But I do worry that they don't have the stuff to beat them. Because like Washington's got guys on offense. Um, I really did. So I've sold a lot of Antonio Gibson stock recently, but I really liked the way they used him on Sunday. They like the guy did play. The guy played receiver in college. They moved him to our running back. He started off his career as running back really good, but last year he had fumble issues. The coaching staff stopped trusting him. Sunday was very promising watching him play. Uh, I thought I really liked how they used him. Jahan Dotson is someone that Carson Wentz clearly already trusts um, as a high-level threat. Curtis Samuel had his best game in years, and of course Terry McLaurin. So, like, I really like their weapons. Um, going forward, Washington could be a team that, like, because the NFC is so gross. <laughs> Like they have enough good players where that seven seed very well could be open for them if they can get the wins, especially now in an NFC East that went from having two actually competent teams to one. Um, I mean, couldn't you say maybe that's like a one and a half because like 
as much as we don't like and trust Daniel Jones, like the Giants showed that they were actually a lot better than we anticipated. No, because I don't, because I know his coach doesn't like him, and I know that means no, something. No, I, I know. I'm just saying, like I, they looked a lot better than I think we all anticipated. They looked buttoned up. And Dayball did a lot to protect them. There's just going to be moments where they're they're not going to play. So there's going to be uh, ways for them to not have – like there's going to be ways for them to move the ball because Saquon's dynamic. I actually do like some of their pieces. It's weird that Kadarius Tony doesn't get the touches he gets, but maybe – but listen, I'm not going to think – I'm not going to like go against what Dayball's – like that guy's good, so I'm not going to go against something – uh, he obviously, there's a reason. Hopefully, Wandale Robinson can come back because I feel like he could be something. Um, and Sterling Shepard actually was relevant for the first time since like 2018. Also, yeah, he's reincarnated. So. Um, and obviously, Saquon like is a freak. He might be the best oh, running yeah. back in the sport. Like we just forgot. We just forgot about it. He's dominant. I don't know. Like other than Derrick Henry. I don't know if there's a running back in the league that is just can dominate a game like he does, and we it, saw it, that on Sunday. It, but the it's thing just is, so impressive between those two. Like they're just yeah. they do they're so dominant in completely different ways. Exactly, just, they're both very magical to watch. But in the NFC East, the thing for them, like for the for the Giants, I know that they're not this topic, but I, I wanted to get your question to your question there, which is a good one. I just can't trust it, and they're not going to play it. They're not going to play teams as offensively inept as the Titans. Every week, and I don't okay. think they have the guys defensively to play catch up. We're saying that about the Titans here, but like we're, we got to remember this team—they they were the best team in the AFC last year. They were, but <laughs> no one agrees on them being good this year. No one does, no. and they're not going to be like close to what they were last year. No, no, like it's just, it's crazy. That's what we're saying here. I know it is wild that everyone was is on that take, and everyone might be right. It is crazy that how quick that happened. Um, so yeah, give me the commanders um, plus one and a half. Anywho, long story short, we will take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill in Moline and Davenport. Chase away your Sunday scaries at Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill this season. Located in the Belgium neighborhood of Seventh Street in Moline. Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill is home to some of the Quad City's best food and drink specials. On Sunday, there's no better place to be. Clint's is serving up 75-cent wings and $4 Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday Ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix... Finish off your football-watching experience with one of their famous Quad City-style pot pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC-style pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine. Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill, 7th Street in Moline. And also, Clint's is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's Pizza House and Chicken opens up daily at 4 p.m. so everyone in the Quad Cities can enjoy their QC-style pizza and Henny Penny Fried Chicken. That's Clint Pizza House and Chicken, 7th Street Moline, and 1601 West 3rd Street in Davenport. All right, we're back. Uh, power technology, people, it works. Um, <laughs> all right, it's Game of the Week time. I know we kind of said it'd be the last one, but 
I don't know. It's uh, I might have lied. So it's all right. Game of the week: Ravens, Dolphins. Now, granted, again, as I said, by the time you will hear this, the actual game of the week will have been played: Chiefs, Chargers. But we will refrain okay. from betting on that. Game of the day. It's game of the game day. of the day. Yes, Mac. Real quick. Even though you will be right, you will possibly be wrong making this take. Do the Chargers or the Chiefs win? Who you got? Oh, man, um, Chargers. I think I think Herbert looks really good in Week One. And it, yes, Keenan Allen's hurt, but I mean Josh. I think Joshua Palmer is going to step up and have a big game. Hopefully, so. I'm a Chargers guy. Is it weird that I don't hate the Chiefs as much as I did like six months ago? It's wild because you were you were slandering the Chiefs after they got rid of Tyreek Hill, and they also looked really good Week One. So, well, um, because that, that, that offense looked pretty dynamic, and they looked really dynamic. Well, their offensive and line's we, we, awesome. Their offensive line is awesome, and Mahomes is the alien, and they have the best coach in the league, so that helps. Yeah, it does. Uh, so I. I, again, my take with them is, like, I am going to want to see it as the year goes on. And I do believe part of it was, I really think, Mac, the Cardinals might be terrible. Is and that an overreaction? I, is that an overreaction? No, I've been on that train from the start. Like, I've, I think I picked them over, too, and I'm sweating that one. That's an under. I, let me see. Who all went over? Who all went under here? Uh, I was the only one that went over. LOL, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be awful. That was bad. Like, I understand overacting in week one, but dude, they looked lifeless. They looked like they did not give a shit. They looked like we are trying to get Cliff Kingsbury sent to sent to Alcatraz. That's what they looked like. Uh, it was bad. That was bad. Bad, bad, bad. Anyway, uh... But no, I think I think it's clearly Bills and Chiefs together. Gap, like when I did the Elite Eight, gap, there's two gaps. Then Vi- Chargers, Vikings, gap, everyone else. That's what I think so far. But it's weak. I respect, I respect that. That was my take. But the Chiefs are absolutely on the Bills level because of Mahomes, because of their coaches. I'm going to – I don't know. I think four and a half might be too much, but I think the Chiefs will win. Um – I'm hoping they don't because I'm a Chargers stand. Anyway, we won't wait too long on that. Game of the week time, unofficially, officially. Ravens at home against the Dolphins, who are catching three and a half. Miami, last week, really looked good against the Patriots. Now, granted, you could say it's the Patriots, but I don't. Look, man, impressive wins in the NFL matter to me, no matter who you're playing. This is a tough league. Ravens might not have been... It might not have been as, you know, fireworky, EDM party, whatever the hell it's called, uh, as we have wanted it to. Like, I'm sure we all would have been happier if they won 42-6. to But I will say this, sidebar on the Jets. The Jets' defense can play. Impressed. Hopefully when Zach Wilson gets back, they are a little more gamey. Um, and I'll feel actually decent about that over, even though it's going to be tough without uh, with weeks knocked off the schedule. Um, their offense just had no hope. So, Mac, I'll let you go first on this. 
Ravens at home. Uh, Dolphins catching three and a half on the road. This is a big prove-it game in the AFC because this could. This is kind of like the winner of this game is almost leading the like they're with they're right on the heels of L if the tr- three best teams in the AFC are which a lot of people do think Bills Chiefs Chargers the winner of this game could be near the pack of the fr- of the best of the rest you know what i mean I, yeah I, I agree with that i think both teams are i think this is a very even matchup between the two uh, i do think baltimore has a lot to clean up from week 1 they were they yes they they had big plays and Lamar did hit him over the top a couple of times, but there is a lot of things that they need to fix. And the Jets, like you said, they look a lot better than we anticipated defensively, and they they cost fits for Lamar and the offense. Yeah, they got dudes. Like uh, I think the Jets' defense this year is gonna is gonna like they're gonna be games at least in, especially until Zach Wilson comes back where it's gonna be close. Or it's not going to be like a ridiculous blowout, and you're going to be like, "What the hell?" Like last year, Jets games were just grotesque. But this year, I think even without Zach Wilson, they're like it'll be better when he comes back, obviously, because their offense will have a pulse. But without him, when Flacco's playing, and their offense has nothing, the game will still be like not totally gross because their defense has dudes on it. Yeah, I mean, and then on the Miami side, she was. Even though it was one game, it looked a lot better than last season. I think Mike McDaniel is very is opening up a lot of tools that Tua can use, and we're all seeing the fact that Tyreek Hill is worth every single draft pick they paid. No shit. So, um, tell me, tell me, I, ab- tell me about, tell me about it. It's all right. I'm sure. Hey, I, I Devontae Adams is probably worth the money and the draft picks the Raiders gave up too, huh? Don't you think? Ten for 141. I mean, what do I, mean, I know? But with that all being said, as much as I do like Baltimore and what they can be this year, I'm going with Miami, and I think I will. I'm going to take three and a half. Now that's that's way too many points for a Miami team that looked very, very dynamic offensively. Okay, so this last year, this game was so weird remember that Thursday night game where Miami won and the Ravens couldn't do shit because the Dolphins basically played this FU defense where they they blitz seven every time uh, and they put they basically put four guys back at the sticks to defend their wide receivers and said you guys don't know how to scheme offensively I don't know like I wonder if that'll happen again if it did that'd be funny but listen here's the reason I'm going with Ravens minus three and a half it's again the theme of the day man I need to see it to believe it. So if I have a bad week this week, Mac, do you know what happened? A lot of teams... They they proved you wrong. (laughs) A a lot of teams did stuff that I hadn't seen yet. So that's good because I like to be... I like... Like, when when I say that... When I say I need to see it to believe it and then I see it, I love it because that means more teams are good at stuff. You know what I mean? Like no, absolutely. So in this case, and I think that's the difference between us. Like you have to wait and see, and I'm like I'm more on the optimistic side of these teams, and like I think they can do it. I mean, like the Lions, for example, and even with Miami this week, like last week, both teams showed that they can move the ball very well, they can score, and 
defensively, like, yes, the Lions really looked terrible at times, but, like, they didn't, they had moments. Mm-hmm. So, they just have to, like, these teams just have to put it all together, and, like, I, I don't see why the Dolphins can't continue to do it. No, I, I agree. Like, it's absolutely in the realm of possibility, but I'm also trusting this and how good I think the Ravens are. And, again, I also do think the Dolphins are good. Like, we said it in the over-under pod, like, I think they're going to win 10 games at least. They're a playoff team because of who they have. Um, and that could even be in spite of Tua. But in just in the case of, like, competing in these games, when they when they move up a weight class and play a team that is really good, this is where they have struggled. So that's – and it's on the road – so this is where I come in with the with the I need to see it to believe it factor. I will swallow the three and a half as much as it's going to hurt, especially with the hook. This is the same kind of spot we both kind of were. We were opposite on last week with the game that was this tight, but uh, that's where I'm at on this game, and we will see. We will see. I'm expecting it to be very fun. This will. This game will be I will actually be able to dual to double box on Sunday and I if this game is the game on CBS as it should this game will be on the TV that doesn't change box cuz it A I'm a Dolphins fan obviously and B because it's going to be great it's going to be great and C because the Bears play Sunday night so I can get away with it so that's nice Mac any further thoughts before we no, I mean, I think we we made what we wanted to say on that game. Like I said, I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, I just think three and a half is a lot of points to be given a team that shows they can move the ball offensively like they can. So That's all right. This is not made for us to agree on all of them. That's okay. That w- That's what makes it fun, right? Absolutely. All and, right. Hey, wind upside is, we'll know we'll have a new leader if I go out, you know. Like, we'll have either you're going to go out and, like, Spread the gap on me, or I'm gonna surpass you this week. So we're gonna be, we're gonna still be at the same gap after Saturday, no matter what. And then Sunday could yeah. be Sunday could get the game changer. Sunday could get frosty. All right, let's wrap this up. Bears Packers Sunday night. The um, I think the game will be fun regardless. Bears are catching nine and a half on the road, over under forty two and a half. Bears gutsy win against San Francisco. I've touched on it a bunch. How. They've just found a way to make plays. They're so much better coached than they were a year ago. Uh, Green Bay, there's some interesting things about them that we'll get to. Mac, real quick, your thoughts on both of these teams' games last week for Green Bay. Another week, one stinker. Do you take much in it? Like, I know a lot of people want to overreact. So I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm doing the cautious thing and not doing that. Are you not overacting as well? And for the Bears, how impressed were you with how they were able to rally the troops in the second half? And their offense looked really, actually really good once they finally got rolling and scored three straight possessions to end up winning the game. Okay, so the one word that I'll use to describe both both of these games, like the Bears game last week and what the Packers did last week, that was ugly. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I understand that the Bears game was more because of the weather than anything. Like yeah. That, that was the reason why it looked really bad. I think, yeah, but, ugly for different reasons, but I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. Um, But the Packers, I don't know if it is a week one thing, because you, you and I talked about this when you you know, you know, released your Elite Eight, and I was just like, the Green Bay at eight is very baffling to me, because they won, look, awful, 
two, Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. I don't. Yeah, I disagree. Like, there's nobody there. I disagree there's with nobody. that. So again, I again, I am the. You can't tell me they lost a wide receiver and how much wide receivers matter, and then yada yada guy. I know that, but here's the thing: like, I think Watson is all right. I think Dobbs is all right. Like, I think they're okay. The problem is more of Rodgers just doesn't trust the dudes, and that was what really worries me about this well, pick. Because if right. it's another you say, weird you say, night, okay. My, my issue here is my issue is. If you're saying you want Aaron to trust these guys, they have to prove it to him that they can actually play the position. Because, you know, Dobbs dropped multiple balls in that game. And Watson is not like he didn't like he had some nice plays, but like he wasn't outstanding for what they pay, like what they drafted him at. Like they expect you expect more out of that guy. Watson, obviously the first play of the game. Burns Patty, Patrick Peterson, which again, why is Patrick Peterson still a starting corner in the year twenty twenty two? I digress. And Rodgers dotted him up and Watson dropped it. The um, the theme that I like the theme, my thing with that is like, look, man, the the, the situation like I'm stealing this take from Colin Coward because it is genius. Romeo Dobbs played at Nevada in Reno. Christian Watson played FCS ball at North Dakota State. That was the biggest game of their life on Sunday, catching passes from one of the greatest players ever. Like Okay. This is where Rodgers, I, I do believe when people say he struggles to manage stuff and manage relationships, like that's a thing that he's going to have to temper with these guys because I do think both of them have a good upside and it really does suck in my opinion. Like I, do, I don't really like that he did go away from Watson after that first play. Like, dude, like you got to rally those guys in those situations and knowing the type of game it was. I would have really liked to see, like, draw up something quick for him. Draw up a screen. Let him just see the ball go through the net. Like, that was a little frustrating to me. Even though the thing so, with the Packers for me is I'm not overreacting. The reason I did have him it was the le- least of the most evils because it was between them and, like, Denver. I want. I went into that game, like, having five through eight open because I didn't know how what to expect from Denver. And then Denver looked like shit, and I was like, nope, not today. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the only other team I would have considered putting there, honestly, was the Rams. But the Rams looked, in my opinion, way worse because they have – the Rams have more concerning issues to me than the Packers do. But the issues for Green Bay are legit. Their offensive line did – like, some stuff got blown up offensively way too easily. Um, They do need to get continuity with the wide receivers. But well, so I can't forget, you know, Jair Alexander was a man lost all night. Like, Justin Jefferson put his mind in a blender. Listen, I know, and I'm a huge Jair Alexander guy, and I also do think, look, you both, you know how high I am in Minnesota. I love the stuff they're doing offensively oh, now. Dude. The stuff they did to just draw up plays for Justin Jefferson to get free was great. They were able to make Jair Alexander have to cover what might be in a month, the best receiver alive without question in territories that were absolutely lo- – in situations that were absolutely lose-lose. You know, like I, I, I just loved seeing the angle where Jefferson did like a 10-yard up and then did a, a full length of the field crosser where pretty much he was pu- – he basically did a deep over route and at the top of the route he did like a shimmy, faked left, went right, and it was basically him from the – 
left, just outside the left hash, and the entire rest of the right side of the field was open for him because of the play design. And it's like in that situation with Alexander following him in the slot to the slot and man coverage, like situations like that are just lose-lose. But I love that the Vikings have that type of play design to get their guys into winnable spots. A uh, little well, quick rant about I agree with that. I agree with you. I think the Vikings are by far the best team at the division this year. And you and I both have been on that point from the the onset. Mm -hmm. So Green Bay, they look bad right now. I will, I will say that they're going to get better. Yes. Like offensively, they will not look this bad forever. Their guys are going to get more. I agree. Those receivers will get more comfortable and they'll actually be able to move the ball and be a little bit more dynamic. But going to the bear side, I think Justin Fields, Oddly enough, I'll say this: like, if you looked at that game and just like looked at his stats and just kind of watched, he didn't like kind of play bad, but he didn't. Like he, I think that game he took a nice step forward. His stats don't represent it. The Bears may have even taken a step forward from where I've had them. Absolutely, like, to be. they looked really good against a very good San Francisco team. Um, I still think that San Francisco team, if they played them in the week, you know, in like week 14, 15, a whole different story because I think Trey Lance is going to be a lot better than. Uh huh. We both agree on that. But that was a very gutsy win by Chicago. Yep. Going into Sunday night, I don't know. Like, I don't think Chicago's going to win the game. But with that being said, you giving Chicago nine and a half or ten points, I'm going to stop and think about it for a second, and I'm going to take Chicago there because their defense showed me enough against San Francisco. And Green Bay's offense is still, you know, really struggling. I think it's been like a eight-point game. <sighs> you said all those nice things about the Bears, and I never hear you say nice things about the Bears. And now I have to kind of bury you, and I hate this. Okay. <laughs> but, so here's why I'm taking the Packers and I'm swallowing nine and a half. This line wouldn't have been on here if it would have stayed at 10. It's It was at 10 on Sunday night. I told back we need to moderate it. I think this was the first thing we talked about Monday morning, which tells you how the, how much our lives are terrible. Actually, I lied. This tells you how much our how much our lives are awesome. The fuck? We're talking about football all week, bro. We live in life. Anywho. Um, okay. Here's a theory. I learned this from moderate uh, different take show artists and it's actually a good one and it, it, so when a good team or at least a team in this case a lot of people don't know how good green bay is i think they're really good so that's why i'm going to say if a good team a well-coached team gets embarrassed always expect them to bounce back the week after and play well granted nine and a half points is a lot to swallow it might be too many but there wasn't anything that was going to, like I said, if the only way it wouldn't have been was at 10, like 30 to 20, 27 to 17, something like that. 31 to 21 here, even as a Bears fan, I will still be happy because it probably meant the Bears did look good at points. Um, so I'm, look, again, you said it, the Bears, there's a lot of stuff to love. Um... Their defense, very sound. Um, I'm really hoping... I went back and watched some tape, Mac. You know how much I like to watch tape, or at least, you know, boast about how much tape I watch. I have no life. Um, 
I went back, watched some tape on the Bears' defense, and I really do believe the way this defense runs could unlock Eddie Jackson again. He had that interception. He He's going to need to have a big game on, on Sunday night. I'm not saying he needs to go out there and force a bunch of turnovers, but he needs to be heard from. Their defense is undermanned, but the, I like the – like, obviously, again, I think Jalen Johnson's an all-pro level guy. I think Roquan Smith, of course, is one of the better linebackers in the league. Roquan – or uh, uh, fucking – God damn it. My, uh, oh my God, the edge rusher, Robert Quinn. My brain just died that they have. <laughs> uh, as for as long as they have him, he's a high-level edge rusher. They need him to be better, though, this week. He, he has to make some noise, especially if the Packers' defense O-line is all over the place, which it has been right now as of late. Dominique Robinson, the dude they got in the fifth round from Miami of Ohio, might be a stud, and that's a really good pick. Kyler Gordon's a guy that could be good. I'm hoping he is uh, because they took him over George Pickens, and I really wanted George Pickens. But, that, but again, I mean, I, you also have guys <laughs> like Jaquan Brisker in the back end. I'm a like, big, he, looked, he looked really good. I'm a huge Jaquan Brisker guy. I love Jaquan Brisker at Penn State. Love that the Bears got him there. Anywho, my, I say all that to say this. So as good as our defense looked, I need to see again. It's the theme of Mac. I ask you this: What is the theme of the week? Prove me. The prove me Sunday. Exactly. So I'm picking against you, so the Bears can prove me wrong, and then I lose. It's like the reverse jinx, I guess. I don't know. I don't understand it, man. Every game, every single one of the prove me games, I have been on the optimistic, and you've been on like eh, wrong. We were both. We were both. We were both on the. We were both. We were both on the right side of the Miami Hurricanes game. It because maybe that's just because Texas A&M is shit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, listen, I, I can't take the Bears and points. Even I would if it if, like if it would have got to ten, it wouldn't have been on this list this week. The Pittsburgh New England game probably would have made it, uh, just because I think that's crazy that New England's getting points. But again, uh. Going to Green Bay, I expect the Packers to bounce back because that's what I think good good teams do, and they're a good team. So Packers minus nine and a half. So let's run through the card. We have Utessa catching twelve and a half at Texas. We both have UTSA. BYU Oregon. We both have BYU on the road catching three and a half. We are gonna hold on to our asses for that one, that is for sure. Um Miami catching five and a half on the road against Texas AM. We both are taking Miami in the points. Shout out to Jimbo Fisher being inept. Although, could this be the reverse jinx, Mac? Jimbo Fisher against Miami is really good. I just thought of this. Shit, I might have to change my pick. Stick with your gut, dude. I'm sticking with my gut. I, I That was a joke. That was a joke. I, I Figure it out, Jimbo. You're better than that. NFL slate, Commanders against the Lions. Commanders catching one and a half on the road. I have Washington plus the points. Mac swallowing the one and a half for the Lions. Ravens at home, minus three and a half against Miami. Mac has Miami plus three and a half. I have Baltimore minus three and a half. And then Sunday night, Bears plus nine and a half on the road in Lambeau against Green Bay. Mac has the Bears in the points. I have the Packers even though I'm swallowing nine and a half. So that is our Sinister Six slate for the week. Um, listen to the For Fantasy Sake show on Sunday. I'll be joining Doug at 11 a.m. 
Central time for a little 15-minute block. I will have all of my favorite NFL picks this week. So you're going to hear the these three and then the two that I had that just missed the cut probably um, make that show. That is the Sinister Six for Mac Fulton. Mr. Mac, say goodbye to the people. Bye. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all right, boys. We did it. We did well. Thank you all. Uh, Mac, thanks as always, my friend. It was a pleasure. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at 4 Frequency Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out 4FantasySakeQC.com this season for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is 4FantasySakeQC.com for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. Today's episode is brought to you by Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. All right, that'll do it for today. Big shout-out to Doug, DJ, and all the boys. Got some great DFS action we had that popped up yesterday. Uh, check that out. Uh, that we got that multiple times a week on the website. Uh, just to let you all know, you can see me on Sunday during the Mothership show. I will be on from 11 to 11.30 to close it out. We'll, I'll be on for the end, take ra- the end of the show, Rapid Fires. As well as, though, I will be coming on with my best bets for the NFL weekend. So I will uh, go uh, talk about the three NFL bets you heard on the Sinister Six. And I'll probably have about two or three more that are, you know, worth worth sprinkling some dough on on Sunday. So thanks to everybody for listening. As always, uh, follow, like, share, comment. Um, if there's anything you want or any questions you have that you would like to be read, read out on the show, you know, ask away. Send us a message. We'll be more than happy to give you a shout-out on the podcast. Thank you all for listening. As always, this is the Educated Ignorance Podcast. For the final time, signing off from the game room, the next time you will hear me will be Sunday night. I will be in the office back at the, other, uh, back at the old East Moline house. Can't wait. This room, honestly, we have we're almost a year now. It was this time almost last year, about a week or two later than this. We finally figured out kind of the, the way to make this work. And to have it go on over the last couple of years, or the last stretch, uh, the, the last year, I should say, I'm a knob. My brain isn't working, it's late. Um, but, you know, there's been ups and downs, but I really think right now with what we're doing, we have so many shows now, being a part of the Four Frequency Sake Network with Doug and the Doug DJ and the guys, I really owe a lot to them to just uh, to let me be on this type of platform. Uh, so many great guys here from the area that are busting out great content and we appreciate all you that support, but we would love for more people to support and tell people and and let people know that you enjoy our content. And, uh, 
Share the word, man. But we're almost a year strong. Uh, we might eventually come up with a new, 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 uh, new line because I'm sure Danny will have me think of something. But maybe for the final time from the game room, if you ain't got the game, you best pass the sticks. Remember that. I'm sure we'll keep it. I think Danny's going to like it. But as always, if you ain't got the game, you best pass the sticks. This has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast. We will see you Sunday. Good night. <laughs>